The Koigig Pod. Emma Bird is in tears. Keeping you up to date with all this summer's football in Australia. I can't believe it. We've finally done it. Subscribe to The Koigig Pod on the Off The Ball app now. Off The Ball. This is News Talk. Welcome back to Thursday evening's Off The Ball. It's time to have a chat with the great John Giles. John, how are you getting on? I'm good, Will. Thank you. I want to kick off asking about Trevor Francis. Um, he was sadly laid to rest in his uh, adopted country now for the last few years in Spain today. Um, but Trevor Francis would have been a guy you would have crisscrossed with the end of your career. He was a boy wonder, I guess, in many ways, playing for Birmingham when he was only 16. He scores 118 goals in 200-odd games for Birmingham as a young player, becomes the first £1 million player, 50 caps for England. Um, seems he was an a v- unbelievable prodigy of a young player. But he was very good. As you say, uh, Birmingham, I think, were in the second division, not going very well, uh, Will, when uh, they put him in. And uh, he, was, he was a sensation for them. Uh, uh, scored goals uh, straight away. He was, he was like an experienced player. Uh, yeah, he was a first-class player. There's no doubt about that. Convinced Brian Clough to spend that landmark amount of £1 million as well, which is, uh, he'll always have that piece of history as well, John. He was the first million-pound player. Well, it was it was a lot of money then. Uh, well, you know, with the transfers we see today, we're talking about uh, you know two hundred and fifty nine million, um, and uh, Trevor was the first player to to, to move for a million. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was. A, I, I I met him on a couple of occasions. He was a very very modest lad. Actually, one one occasion I met him, I was in America playing for Philadelphia Fury, and he was actually over there at that time playing for Detroit. We played him in Detroit, uh, and he asked for a photograph. Alan Ball was playing. I was playing with Alan Ball in Philadelphia, uh, and Trevor asked for a photograph afterwards with, with the two of us, which he had with us in the middle in it. So he was very, very respectful to to older players. But from what I, I know of him, he was a, he was a very nice, very very nice individual, and a terrific player, of course. Lovely thing for a lad in his early 20s who would go on to achieve so much because he was very young when he spent that summer out in America and it seems he, he did fairly okay. He was on the, the all-star team of the year with the likes of Franz Beckenbauer who was playing in New York at the time as well. But for a lad in his early 20s to recognise yourself and Alan Ball and to come up and get a photo which is a very nice touch from him. It was very good. Yeah, he was a nice fellow. Any, anybody, I, I never heard a bad word about him. Uh, and he was, I, I know for a fact he thought Leeds were the best team he ever played against. <laughs> I know that. I read that about him. It, uh, Leeds were the best team he played against. But he was a very modest individual. I mean, he was, he was only... When we played against him in America, Alan Ball and myself, particularly myself, were coming near the end of my days, and he was, he was only starting off. I, I think what happened... I think, do you remember Jimmy Hill? Yeah. I think Jimmy Hill bought that uh, club in Detroit... And I was involved in it anyway. Obviously, knew and, Francis was a good player, a good lad to get over for the summer. Yeah, I guess. and he, he he got him over when he was when he was a young player because most of the lads went to America that time when they were coming near the end of their careers. Um, but he but he asked for the photograph afterwards of Alan Ball and myself. Now he's a very nice lad mm. and, a, and a terrific player. Was an enjoyable year playing out in the States for you, John? Because I'm kind of thinking about this when I look at Leo Messi and you know Messi mania around Miami at the moment with his first two games there. And I know maybe the appetite for soccer, as they call it, maybe is a little bit different now compared to the late 70s. But you were going over at a time when they were bringing a lot of the European stars towards the end of their career over to America to try and grow the game at the time. Yeah, it was, it was much better than I expected it to be. 
you know, all the, all the stories about America at that time was, well, they're all fancy tricks and they're all this and they're all that. <clears throat> and I thought they were very good. Um, they had a few different things all right, but one of them was, was particularly good, in my opinion. That, that when you had a draw at, after 90 minutes, uh, like there was no such thing as a draw in America. After the 90 minutes, and it was, it was level, you, went, you had a shootout, right? And the shootout was... Uh, he got the ball on the halfway line, the player, the attacking player, got the ball on the halfway line, and he had five seconds to get his shot in. You know? A more difficult skill in some ways than stepping up 12 yards out from goal and taking a spot kick. Well, I remember, exactly. I remember seeing this on TV yeah, a few times. They didn't times. have penalties. They had the shootouts. And the shootout was, was very, very good because you had to be very skillful to be able to do it. You know, so you had, like, instead of having five penalties, you had, you had five of them. Or it might have been the first one that scored. So what they were doing it for, say in, in England now or anywhere, you get a draw 5-5, five, five, you get a point, right? Mm-hmm. What they were doing in America, if the team won, say, 5-1, uh, they got five points and the, 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 the other team got one point, Right. So in, in, what they were doing is they wouldn't have a draw. They'd have the shootout, and the shootout team that won the shootout got six points. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like In other words, if you drew 3-3, three, three, right, the team that lost in the shootout got three points. But the team that won in the shootout got six points. Just goes to show the American sports because it's what used to way ahead. They were way ahead. I, I couldn't believe it because when I went, I thought oh, it's going to be flashed off in America yeah. now. But it wasn't. It was very, very good. The crowds were very good. They, 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 they knew the game. I, I was only there for three quarters of a season and I really enjoyed it. Obviously, I was, I was traveling around America as well. Uh, and, uh, but, but it was much better than I expected it to be. Did you get to take any of the shootout penalties yourself, John? Yeah. Uh, I never got a shootout for you know. Ah, missed out. I, I never got a shootout. I never got no. I never. I never got a shootout. I always thought it looked like good fun. I think the goalkeepers enjoyed it as well because we see the goalkeeper running out to try and narrow the angle as well. Maybe they enjoy trying to put the player off, and you know, it's yeah. not. It's a, it a different skill needed. Uh, it was very skillful. Well, you know, it was. Uh, uh, it, it was. It was. It was harder than a penalty. Yeah. You know, they gave the goalkeeper a better chance. Of, there was a bit of skill. You went from the, 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 the halfway line. You had to knock the ball way ahead of yourself. You couldn't knock it too far because the keeper could come out. But, but I certainly enjoyed it. But, but that was my, uh, uh, to get back to Trevor Francis, that was my only real connection with him. I did, I did play against him in the 72 Cup final. We played, uh, Leeds played Birmingham in the 72 Cup final. Uh, they were in the second division then. We beat, I think we beat them 3-0, 3-1. Uh, but I, I probably would have played against him later on uh, when I was coming near the end of my career. But he was a top-class player, really was. May he rest in peace as well. I know, yeah. John, you were watching the women's team against Canada and unfortunately the World Cup journey has come to an end for them after that 2-1 defeat against Canada yesterday. And like, it was so promising. A few minutes in, the Katie McCabe goal directly from the corner. You're hoping when you're the underdog against the Olympic champions that maybe that's something for Ireland to hold on to. But as the game went on, I think particularly after half-time, Canada just really seized control of the game, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they were too good, too good for us in the end. Uh, uh, well, there's no doubt about that. Uh, but you know, the Irish girls—they started really well. You know, and and the keeper—I thought the keeper, uh, the Canadian keeper, was 
was very much at fault for the goal. I mean, as we know, it was a direct corner kick, an in-swinger from, from uh, Katie McCabe. Uh, but I thought he was, the goalkeeper, the Canadian goalkeeper, was very, very nervous. And uh, we, did, we didn't really take advantage of it. We were on top for a certain period of the game. But then, as you say, in the second half, they were very good. They really got on top, and we, 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 we as we know, we had an OG, uh, and then a very, very good goal by the Canadians. Uh, Leon, is his girl, Leon? Yeah. Leon, yeah, Leo Wen scored a goal, and Conley scored the OG for us. Well, she was trying to clear it, uh, and knocked it in, but, uh, you know, the second half, they, they, they were very, very good and deserved to beat us, unfortunately. And maybe the frustrating thing for Ireland as well, John, was that unlike the Australia game, Ireland kind of grew into it and were good in the last 20 minutes and were getting a few shots away. In that yeah. kind of last 15, 20, they didn't really threaten a goal. No, we, we, they, 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 were, they were far better than us in the second half. There's no doubt about that. Uh, they, they were good. They, they, they started off poorly. The goalkeeper, as I said, was, was, was... I don't think he should be letting a goal in from, directly from a corner kick. And Sheridan was the goalkeeper's name, actually. It was a bit of an Irish name, all right. Uh, but... Uh, we didn't. We didn't really get at them in the second half. Yeah, no, I'd agree. Didn't get at them. So it was. It was. They did well in, in, in many phases of, of the two games. Uh, the Irish team, you know, they were well organised. Uh, we just we didn't have enough up front. We didn't have enough power to really make the most of what we had in possession of the ball. But um, good experience for, for for the girls anyway. Yeah, I think so. I did think that was probably true over the couple of games as well. It was like almost the ball just wouldn't stick up front uh, at times when you're playing at the back. And like when Ireland are absorbing that much pressure, John, it can be very difficult if you don't have an out ball to actually get the ball yeah. away from your defence for a while. You yeah, have to work very hard it, if you're sitting do it well. You're right. You're, we couldn't do it to get up there at the, you know, and have a go at them because obviously if you're attacking, there's only one ball on the pitch, so it, it, it does give the, the defence a chance. But we, we couldn't do that. You know, like we... we'd. A lot of a lot of good girls. I thought they were the, the, a lot of good girls. The captain was very good. Uh, Sullivan is it? Oh, Sullivan, yeah. good, uh, good, good player. So it's it's good experience for them. That's for sure. Yeah, no, it's definitely one they're going to carry forward from here. A um, couple of the the big transfers. We talked to Martin Lipton a little bit later about Harry Kane because. It looks at this stage, John, that he might well stay at Spurs for the coming season because Daniel Levy, who's a difficult man to convince to sell at Spurs, effectively he's setting that deadline at the start of the season. If Bayern Munich don't make a bid that meets it, Harry Kane will spend his last year at Tottenham Hotspur. I think the closer it gets to the season, the more realistic it now looks that Harry Kane might actually stay. Yeah, I, I think I think so. Uh, I mean, I see Joe Lewis, the owner's over, isn't he? He's, I think he's in some sort of trouble. He's surrendering to the U.S. authorities over inside trading or charges or something. But but he's saying in the paper, I just got it this morning, he said, uh, Tottenham owner Joe Lewis has told chairman Dalian Levy that Harry Kane must be sold this summer if the striker refuses to sign a new contract. Lewis is determined Kane will not be allowed to see out his current, current deal and leave for free when it expires next summer. Well, the fact is, in this day and age, uh, Will, he's no saying it. Harry, Harry Kane is in the, in the driving seat. If he doesn't want to sign a new contract, he can't be made to sign a new contract. And what he can do if he does that and goes next year, he goes to free transfer. So Mr. Mr. Levy or, or, or uh, Mr. Lewis, he's talking as if it's 50, 60 years ago. That you can tell players what to do. Do you know what I mean, Will? Mm. 
I think as well, if you're Harry Kane as well, John, you might want to get to the position whereby he gets to January of this year. He can start talking to clubs at that point when there's only six months left in his deal. He can see where Tottenham Hotspur are at at that point if he decides to stay for his last year. If yeah, Spurs don't, to him. If Spurs don't look know. like they're challenging for honours, he knows he can go anywhere, John. And it's fairly unlikely that Spurs would sell him to another Premier League club. But he could go to Man City, he could go to Manchester United, he'd go wherever yeah. he wants if it goes to next summer. Yeah, that's what this this Joe's is lose. I don't know what he, you know. I think it's forty or fifty years ago when you could tell the players what to do. But Harry Kane can say, "Yeah, I've listened to you. I'm not signing a new contract, and I'm going next season." There's nothing this fella can anybody can do about it. That's the laws of the game now for the players. That's that's been turned around completely to what it was. I'm talking about my day. Well, you know, if you if you signed a contract at seventeen, you signed for life. You know. That's the way the club owned you. And even if your contract run out, you, 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 you couldn't say, that I'm going. They'd say, go when I let you go. And this is what this fellow's doing. He wants to catch up with himself because there's no doubt he's not in the driving seat. Harry Kane or anybody in the position, players in the position of Harry Kane, is in the driving seat. Kane's going to say, no, I'm not going anywhere. I let my contract run out, and as you say, just after January, he can talk to clubs without uh, moving from sports until the end of the season. Nobody can tell Harry Kane what to do now. I think as well, he's earned that opportunity, John, because he's been tremendously loyal to Tottenham Hotspur. He signed a very, very long-term contract uh, back when him and his brother sat down in an office with Daniel Levy five, six years ago now at this stage, and he signed long-term. Didn't get his move to Man City, which he clearly wanted a couple of seasons ago because Mm. there was so much time left in his contract that they couldn't agree a deal. If I'm Harry Kane, I'm probably thinking this is my last big move in football. Therefore, I may as well make the most of this. and, And for other players... Uh, well, that's the rules are today. If you sign a three-year contract, and that contract is up, you can leave for free and make your own deal with the club, and that's what Harry Kane will do. So this <laughs> Daniel Levy and and, and uh, Joe Joe Lewis can say what they want and do what they want, but Harry Kane is in the driving seat, and if he doesn't want to sign a contract with Spurs, then he and he can go for free next year. That's what he can do and nobody can stop him. Mm. It's great. Look, it's a great thing the power has shifted towards the players compared to this idea that you could end up with an owner who just wouldn't let you go back in the day. I think of Kylian Mbappe's situation at the moment as well, John. PSG know he wants to go to Real Madrid on a free transfer next year. They claim he's already got an agreement to go there. If I'm Mbappe, I'm probably thinking this is a similar situation. I've got one year left on a contract that I signed. Let 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 me run it out and I'll walk for free next year. Sorry. So he'll be if I'm killing Mbappe, John, I'm thinking yeah. I was loyal enough to sign a contract to stay till twenty twenty four. If that yeah. means I have a deal to leave next year, that's the agreement I have. I'll just walk next year. That's it. It's like uh, well what it's like, it's like any anybody else in any other job. Except that football has a history, going back to my time and just after my time, where you signed at seventeen and you signed for life. You know, you you, you if you if, the club would sell you if they wanted to sell you, right? But they could keep you for life, you know? And, and that was on a maximum wage. That, I'm going back to the old days now. But it was, it was, you know, it was the only job in, 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 well, it was in England at the time that, 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 that was different to any other job. You know, if you signed a contract as a carpenter with some firm for two years and two years up, where you could go, you couldn't do that in football. You signed at 17. And he signed for life. And that was it. You could only leave if the club 
allowed you to leave, along with a maximum wage. So, you know, things have changed now in a big way. The players have signed a three-year contract. Like any other uh, person in any other job, your contract is up, you can leave. And that's what the players have. That's what Kane has. That's what Mbappe has. Except Mbappe, we're talking about 259 million. Mm. Well, you know, but that's his. It, that's up to that's up to him uh, and the club. And if, if he wants to leave next year, he can. I can understand PSG wanting to sell him and saying, "I want you to leave. We're not letting you leave for free next year." But at the same time, I can totally understand why Mbappe would have no interest in going to Saudi Arabia. Like he's not like those players towards the end of his career. Mbappe wants to be playing in Europe and wants to be playing for the very best clubs. Yeah, well, he's he's only a young fella. You know, most of the lads now are going they're going going away, like Henderson and that, are coming near the end of their career, and that's a godsend uh, to them. Will you know to 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 be able to get the money like that? But Mbappe is two hundred two hundred fifty nine million. Uh, you know, he's he what he's saying is, I'm not I'm not signing a new contract. Well. That's up to him. If he doesn't want to sign a new contract, that's up to him. You know, his contract runs out next year, same as Harry Kane. And they're entitled to do that, like anybody else in any other profession. And the thing is, the thing is with Mbappe, whatever happens, uh, Will, he's not going to be short of a few, Bob. He certainly won't. He might be leaving <laughs> 700 million on the table by not going to Saudi Arabia. But Real Madrid yeah. will make sure he lives pretty decently in Spain, I would think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. We'll see yeah. what happens with him next year. John, thanks a million for joining us on the show. Thanks, Will. See you soon. Off the ball. This is News Talk.